0: Hello, everyone. I'm speaking to the wonderful Clint of the Heroes of War and the organiser of CanCon tonight. Uh, I've brought Clint on just to learn about him as a person. Clint's very well established in the Queensland community and has won many awards with his painting and converted armies. And so we are going to learn a little bit more about him and how he got into this wonderful hobby. Uh, so first of all, Clint, how did you get into the hobby? Um, I. First of all, hello. <laughs>
1: um, uh, so I got into the hobby. Um, I was hanging out with a group of guys um, in high school. I think we were grade nine or something like that. I'd sort of just not long started hanging out with them. And one of the older brothers played Warhammer and we'd sort of decided that we would get into it. This was in 2000, um, which makes it really easy for me to track how long I've been in the hobby. Um, and so we all just kind of were looking at these, you know, these army books that were full of miniatures and stuff like that. And before that, I hadn't really been a very what you would call nerdy person, mm-hmm. like, um, I'm struggling to even remember what young me was into, um, <laughs> but yeah, it wasn't like. Fantasy or sci-fi or anything like that. Yeah. Um. And yeah. So we're looking through these old army books and and picking out which races we'd do. And I ended up, you know, um, picking up uh, vampire counts, a couple of fell bats, although they were just called vampire bats back then, mm-hmm. at a bookshop here in in Toowoomba that um that sold models. Um. That was pretty much the only un, like undead vampiry thing he had on the on the wall at the moment at that point, like a blister pack. Were well, there those
0: metal ones on the long prongs?
1: Yeah, and yeah. I still have them, and they live in my cabinet. Um, I'm pointing, which is not helpful on podcast. Uh, <laughs> Surprisingly. <but> off, <laughs> to my, off to my left. You think I would know. Um, off to my left in is my miniature cabinet out here in the shed, and those two bats, um, though repainted, uh, are still in my collection. So, um, and from there, like, it just... Grew and grew, but always sort of centered around death. No matter how distracted I get, I always seem to come back to them. So,
0: hence why you're um, all about good old Manfred seems to be your uh, your whole thing. <laughs> the best Manfred Clint.
1: Well, I, he, he didn't used to be a thing. He, he didn't used to be my thing. Like I've always loved him. He was the first mm-hmm. character I ever bought. Like I own you know every version of him that they've made. But it wasn't my thing until he blew up the old world and then sort of became a thing that people hated him for. And thus kind of I get a little bit of that um, collateral damage (laughs) from (laughs) the the way people feel about him. And and I'm not going to lie, I do revel in it just a little bit you, you love channeling just, the hate <laughs> well you know um post up on twitter that that bit of artwork where he's stabbing balthasar Gelt in the back at you know from the end times book every now and then i just post that one up just to just to
2: rile up <laughs> the fantasy the, nerds <laughs> yeah rile,
1: rile some people up um but i'm slowly but surely bringing people around like um um Mr. Mephisto, who runs it, who does a podcast out of the yep. States, you know, he doesn't, he didn't really like Manfred, but I'm slowly but surely bringing him around and to the point where, you know, I posted up my Manfred shirt uh, the other day on Twitter and he's like, hmm, do I want one? I'm
0: like, yes, I'm converting yes. people over. <laughs> I did see someone was wearing one of your shirts as well, the red one. I'm not, sure, can't remember his name. Um, oh, Domus. So yeah. Yes. was Wearing
1: the Manfred did nothing wrong yeah. shirt. Yeah. One oh, of our heroes ones.
0: I'll um, post a photo of that one because that one's a, a good bit of a saying um, that I've seen floating around a few times now.
1: Yeah, well, it's a play on that classic, you know, 40K Magnus did nothing wrong yep. thing. Um, but, yeah, there's a couple of those shirts out there. Um, <laughs> that, yeah, there'll be a couple floating around Adepticon, hopefully, too.
0: Yeah. What do you What do you think drew you to the death part of fantasy? Um,
1: I... I've just kind of always liked that kind of vampire gothic horror kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, the the fact that this was a faction that embodied that um, and continued to pretty much right up until AOS, and then it's sort of drifting back into that now. Mm. Um, that's what sort of kept me kept me there in that aesthetic, um, you know, um, and I, I really uh I re- i've really enjoyed um the that kind of lore that's gone with them and the and the imagery all the artwork's really awesome you know i've got some of the, the artwork from the vampire games books up on my walls here and stuff like that yeah uh, and so yeah it just speaks to me which is weird because i wouldn't describe myself as a goth person like in real life <laughs> was, Like was some people, like, is
0: that why you didn't know who you were because you're a Black eyeliner, black hair. <laughs>
1: well, that's the thing. You see some people who are like super into undead or super into vampires and they kind of have that, if they're not goth, they did an emo phase or they were into metal or whatever. And that none of that was me. That was, yeah, I don't know.
0: <laughs> Clint was just the the average teenager who just enjoyed average things. Pretty much. <laughs> Do you find it's, death overall like sort of zombies and skeletons and ghosts or you think it's more the vampire aspect that pulls you towards it i
1: think it's the overall um because stuff that just has vampires in it tends to not really grab me but that overall horror aspect of things like if if you were to ask my favorite movie genre it's generally horror Mm-hmm. and you know suspenseful sort of supernatural horror rather than you know um the torture jump scare,
0: jump scare or, or gore horror uh,
1: yeah the slasher gore yeah. kind of you but i like i take being, it. yeah n- no not at all so yeah i like that supernatural kind of horror scary kind of thing Mm-hmm. the suspense and stuff like that as well you think
0: it's more thrillers or like something like paranormal activity does that get you going or is that more to the jump scare well see i don't mind that that's yeah. that's kind
1: of cool because it's like yeah it's not some dude in a mask running around and you know <laughs> jumping out from behind a door and stabbing a teenager Are
0: you having a go at the 70s and 80s uh well look
1: some of them have their place I was forced to watch the new Scream movie with my wife a couple of weeks ago and I got bored. Like that was, that's where that movie sits for me. Cause it's just like, Oh look, yes, it's this dude and this knife and whatever, Mm -hmm. like they have their place and I know people love them, but they're just not for me, but they can, they can have them. I won't, um, you know, they can keep them and be happy with them. And I won't, but I won't begrudge them their, their joy on those.
0: Yeah. Do you so then do you find your army aspect when you do your armies are they quite bright and colorful, or have you found you've gone the dark gringy grim dark
1: it's evolved and bounced around um so probably the first undead stuff I painted and then you know um right up until a couple of years ago I would have said was darker um mm-hmm just because it just felt that was just my painting style and then in the last two years I've been really trying to paint brighter stuff um in you know the Sylvaneth or the multicolored yep. squigs army I did a couple of years ago and uh, my new so I'm working on Soulblight at the moment and it's uh, I would say it's in the middle yeah okay oh um you know, it's it's got some bright stuff, um, and then some dark stuff. So it kind of trends towards that middle, middle ground. So well-rounded thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never gone full grim dark oil paints, all that sort of yeah. You know, um, not to say I wouldn't like to learn, but it's just that's not how I paint. So it, it would be a concerted effort to to go down that
0: route. Yeah. Cause that's I think you're very similar to me, because I started out with sort of, cause my squigs are all bright orange. I've gone really bright with the grots and stuff like that. And then my Skaven was a little bit darker and more in that mi- middle sort of tone. And then my soul blight has been the oils and the, the streaking grime. And that has been a push to go in that aspect of it all and to not paint every single individual detail, but more as a cohesive thing. So it's definitely, um, it's a bit harder to work towards that way, but you find there's a lot of techniques that you can apply in other aspects that I've really enjoyed about the grim dark, like blending with bloods and like oils and stuff like that. Um, So you might find that if you want to push yourself towards that, that you'll get a lot of extra techniques you wouldn't normally have in the repertoire. Yeah,
1: I, I do know that it's like it's this whole... it's it, It'd be like un- choc- uh, unlocking a new chamber of stuff that I would know and be able to apply to my hobby. Yeah. But at the same time, I just like getting stuff done. <laughs> so it's like when I reach a point where I'm happy with what I have, um, you know, maybe I'll go down that route. Or whether I f- when I find a project that I can be like, right, okay, I'm going to teach myself oils on yeah. this particular project.
0: Are you when you sort of do your armies, do you have a theme or a project in mind? Like you want to accomplish X out of doing that sort of army?
1: I, it depends what sort of army it is. Um, Just on stuff that I've done in the last couple of years. So the squigs that I did were just because I wanted to run squigs. And so I was like, "How can I make these super bright? No contrast, like paint them properly, but make them bright." Mm-hmm. That was the project kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then other stuff is generally a theme that I've I, I've I've either been inspired by uh, something to to do, or mm-hmm. a crossover that I want to make, or whatever. Um, it's generally less about the technique than about the finish, like. The, the finished aesthetic,
0: okay.
1: I don't know if that makes sense, but like, so I want I did you know um the Sylvaneth Slanesh yes. mashup thing yes. for Twombly Open last year, and the goal of that was to make a really cool looking Sylvaneth Slanesh mashup that caught caught people's eye. Yes. So there wasn't I, I didn't sort of set out to go I'm going to learn green stuff or oils or pastels or okay. whatever. Yeah, yep. I don't. I yeah, it's more the whole idea of the actual models in a project rather than a technique, I guess. Yes, yeah,
0: so you, you are more about the overall look and feel of the whole army as a cohesive thing than mm. per se of like a, you pick out, like say it's an M&M uh, sort of army or something like that. You want the whole co- thing to be cohesive uh, and just yeah. a nice big theme. Are you yeah. heavily into converting up armies and stuff like that? Or do you try and do that with just painting? Um, I...
1: Everything I look at now, I want to do something, like I want to convert generally. I want to have at least a model in there converted with whatever whatever project I'm working on. And some of them have been a lot more involved. Um, like I had a, a Wraith fleet, like a vampires army, where pretty much everything I'd done, some conversions on the aforementioned Sylvaneth, there wasn't a, st- a standard model in that entire army. Yeah. Um, I've, I've got a couple of projects i've got i've got like a google doc and -hmm. if i have an army idea i just throw it in there if i'm at work or whatever and i flesh them out you know and as i think of like oh this model would be good you know how would i make how would i make a chaos lord on a manticore but make it look you know no, like proper Nurgle okay well maybe I'd use this and this and this and put them all together and then and then I add it up and it's $500 for one model <laughs>
2: uh,
1: but I just kind of the projects that I'm listing now um, in this document in you know future Clint's problems um, I've I've found in just in chatting with people about them they are hitting certain things like like the Nurgle one would yep. be all about learning how to sculpt and green stuff. Because okay. what I'd like to do, you can't just cut two models apart and stick them together and make it work.
2: Hmm.
1: And then there's another one which I want it would be all about really pushing basing. You know, it's the pretty much every model in the army would be kit bashed, but to make it look good, I'd have to be really good at basing.
2: Yeah.
1: And then, and then the third one, you know, it's all about freehand tattoos and details and um, like source lighting and things like that because I'd like to do, you know, underlit basing and things like that that you see okay. people do. Yep. So yeah, I think in future, that's probably where I'll go. Like I'll be like, this project will be to help me do this thing. Um, but it hasn't sort of been a conscious thing so far. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I've noticed I've tried to do that with my projects over the sort of the last few years is I'll try and push something like my soul blight one was to push the grim dark, but also did work on the basing rather than just having a plain boring basing. I've sort of thrown in as much shit as possible, covered it sort of in one color, but tried to make things stand out and blend in at the same time. Yeah. Um,
2: which,
1: I'll... which is how real, you know, real basing sort of works. Yeah. Um But do you think that's because you got to a, Look at me! I'm asking questions now. Um, <laughs> do you think that's because you got a certain level in your other hobby, like you? It's like, oh, I paint to yep. this level, and I can do this stuff. And you're like, okay, well, I need to, to you know, Sam needs to step up. How do, how do we do that? Yeah, you that's know, definitely. Future projects have to kind of build on that.
0: Yeah, because that's I think works works well. as you sort of build up a new technique to put in your repertoire of things to apply to a future hobby. So that automatically just goes straight into it like the basing mm. on the new army will automatically be a thing i don't have to think about because it's just part of some new technique that i've picked up um yeah. have you found it's that a- with your sort of hobby as well yeah it's like a skill tree in an rpg right like once you've got <laughs> that
1: skill like once you've ticked that box you 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 just integrate it into stuff um yeah so i recently did a painting competition entry and did non-metallic metals for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then everything I looked at after that, I'm like, could I paint that NMM? Yep. It's like, <laughs> no, Clint, that's an army that's full of like trim, spear tips and whatever. <laughs> and don't do that to yourself because you'll want to cry. But it's like.
0: How did you it, find diving into your NMM? Did you find it was quite daunting to get started? And then you found as soon as you started, you're like, oh, this is nothing. This is nowhere near as hard as I thought it was. Uh, so parts
1: of it I still struggle with because I suck at highlight placement. My brain just doesn't do this is where light would go. Mm-hmm. So when it's a super reflective surface, like that's quite, <laughs> that's a bit of an impediment. Yeah. Um. But so if somebody who was really good at it looked at mine, they would go, your reflections are all wrong, but yep. I think they look great. Uh, <laughs> but if you watch YouTube videos or tutorials or something on on techniques especially non-metallics it's really daunting mm. but then a friend of mine sent me a, a like it was like five photos right it was a collection of paints and it was a Chaos Space Marine kneecap
2: mm-hmm. and
1: it just painted this kneecap in the in the five paints or whatever and it's like that was all the guide I needed then, because I'm like, oh, I can see what the cut, the way that they've used these five colors. And it's not to say that all of those other guides were not doing that exact same thing, but I don't yes. know, something clicked about just the simplicity. It wasn't like a whole model. It wasn't like it was just this tiny bit of trim on a knee. And it's like this is how we would do this. And I'm like, oh my god. And then I tried it on a shield, I think. Yeah as my test and it worked really well i'm like
2: oh, i might be able to do this <laughs> I've it decided up. <laughs> to,
1: yeah i'm like wow i might now be able to paint six seraphon in all of their rings and trinkets and stuff like that with yep. non-metallic gold well i might and so try I and
0: grab that off you and just to post it up for other people so they can have that brain click hopefully they get the same thing as you did out of those few simple images yeah for sure
1: and like half of it Like most of it is Citadel paints, Mm -hmm. which lots of people should have access to. And then there's two scale 75s. So it's not exactly like 18 different paint ranges as well, which is something a lot of the other guys sort of fall a bit short on as well. I've found is like a whole bunch of different paint ranges or whatever. Yeah. But I'm I'm a simple man. Um, (laughs)
0: But yes, no, I'll I'll send that to you so you can um, post it up. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So you've told me about sort of your more recent projects. What do you think is on the books for a new army for you in regards to all these conversions and stuff? Is it your soul blight you're working on? Is that going to be your next main AOS project? Uh, So I'm about halfway
1: through what I want to do with soul blight at the moment. So I, I currently don't have an, like if, I need, wanted to go and play a game of AOS. I currently don't have an army. Okay. So, um, which is a bit of an issue because, you know, I'm I'm headed to, you know, Heat 1 at Mount Gravatt <laughs> <laughs> in like three weeks. Um, but so I've been working towards that. And um, one of my goals for this year is to have a force for each game that I want to play. And so okay. AOS being the, you know, I've got a deadline. And so I'm painting to that. um. But it's weird because it's not really a project per se because i've I'm just painting it the way I would normally paint. Um, I'm throwing a bit extra on the base but not too much like mm. it's just a very run of the mill sort of paint thing for me and I have a little bit of a theme in mind um, which comes back to Manfred. Uh, <laughs> it's literally the ty- the name of the army in my head is literally too many manfreds. Yep. So I have uh, Manfred on foot, Manfred on horse, Manfred in his more tough form. <laughs> can all be in the army if I want them to. Yep. Um, and I'm currently figuring out if I've got a spare Manfred head to make my Prince Vaudreuil also Manfred. Um, <laughs> so, like, just that that's as themey as this thing's getting, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's the project after that, that I that I I would be pushing myself on, I think.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. And sort of speaking on, you said you had other game systems. What game systems have you been interested in recently? So I oh gosh, what haven't I been
1: interested in? That's the problem. <laughs> bit of a hobby butterfly have you been? Oh, I just AOS 3 left me a bit cold. Okay. And so I've kind of been putting feelers out. And then realizing, so I looked at Conquest,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, which seems to be quite popular at the moment. I'm like, yeah, this looks not bad. I've played a game. You know, it wasn't too bad. I ordered a box of miniatures. I opened them up. I looked at them. The plastic was just awful. It was oh. like shiny and just, it. you know, when you're younger and or you might not be younger, but like when, you know, did you ever build model planes like yes. Airfix kits or something yep. like that? You know, that shiny plastic that they're made out of? Yes. Yeah. It was like that. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So I closed the box back up <laughs> and, <laughs> and got rid of it. Like, their resin, their resin stuff was gorgeous. I've still got one of the models, resin models that I got for me, the plastic stuff. I just got rid of and I went, I can't build those models. Cause I'm, a painter and hobbyist first and a gamer second, right? Yeah. So if I can't bring myself to do... Like, if I don't love the models, I'm not going to play the game. Like, yeah. it just... Um, so that was Conquest. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, Kings <laughs> of War. Um, I have played a couple of games of. I really enjoyed the system. I really like mm-hmm. the hobby thought of multi-basing. Um, for people who don't know, basically the unit is represented as like a footprint. You know, it might be 200 mil by 100 mil and it should have roughly, you know, um, 30 models on it, right? Okay. And you don't pull models off when they die. So you can build these cool little unit dioramas as part of your army so that you're like integrating your display board and terrain and stuff into the models, into the units themselves. And you can kind of just go nuts hobby-wise with that. And see, that had always appealed to me for ages since I sort of became aware of it.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And so, um, you know, I've got a King's War goblin army that I'll be, you know, it's one of my goals for this year is to get that done. Um, So um, that that kind of hobby thing. Um, I've played some kill team, like some 40k kill team. That was really fun. Mm -hmm. My son and I played that. You know, it's a simple enough system that a 12-year-old can pick it up and run with it. Yep. Um, and um I really, really, really want to f- finish building up my Lord of the Rings army. So
0: Oh, cool. So you got plenty of projects floating around up there. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how did your your son sort of find because your son you said your son's 12? Yeah, yep. Yeah. And how has he found getting into this sort of stuff with you? So
1: forever and a day ago, I bought him some Lizardmen or Seraphon, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, you want to call them. Um, and he kind of liked them because what kid doesn't like dinosaurs. Yeah. Uh, but then when they started doing the Mortal Realms magazines, I thought, brilliant, let's let's give this a shot, see if he likes this. So I bought the first one. He picked Nine Taunt from that. Yeah. And so, you know, every... Every week or a couple of weeks, you know, he's been getting new models to build and paint and things like that. Um, and he's really so we hobby together in the evenings. Oh, wow. Cool. Uh, after, yep. after, you know, after dinner and, you know, homework's done and whatever, we'll come out here. Um, we'll stick on um, either anime or we're currently working our way through Doctor Who. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll paint for paint together and hobby together for an hour, hour and a half. Um and so so he works through um, stuff that way. Um and he really enjoys it. I think he he's a bit like me in that painting helps his brain switch off. Okay. Because I noticed that he goes to bed easier if we've painted, like mm-hmm. it just gives him that that chill out time. Um and the game AOS is probably and night haunt. Is not really like not <laughs> a really beginner friendly army. It was a bit rude of them to put it in the starter box, but yes. um, so he's played, we've done some doubles, Yeah. Um, uh, last year, and um, we were meant to do it this year, but COVID got in the way of that. Um, but yeah, he sort of picked up the game, and it, I think he enjoys the painting and stuff a bit more than the gaming as well. But you know, he was st- he's still keen to like play. You know doubles or play against me yep. you know in the shed here yeah. yeah i
0: feel like it sort of leans towards you paint the models up and then you get an extra use out of them you're like this is my cool army that i've painted up that i can push on the board um,
2: yeah
0: rather than just sitting in a shelf not getting another use out of them um because mm. i've struggled a few times trying to paint up non gaining models because they just sort of sit there um yeah, you don't have
1: that. You don't have that impetus to get it done. Really. Yeah,
0: that's right. It just sits there and dawdles away for the years on end, and then you think, "Oh, I really should finish that," because <laughs> you're not gaming with it. You don't have any interest in having to finish it.
1: Yeah, I've got I've got projects here like that. Just even individual models. It's like you're a one model. Surely I can spend an evening and probably <laughs> finish it, but it just never happens.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. So he's picked it up pretty easily and and really enjoys it as sort of a newer person and a younger person getting into sort of a very complex sort of hobby in regards to painting and then converting and building and stuff.
1: Yeah, he well he kind of cheated a little bit uh, because you know nine horn it's not exactly a hard army to paint, no. Um, but it was a, but it's a good starter army to paint. Mm. Um, and then we picked up. Uh, he was reading the they do some series of books for kids for okay. warhammer the adventures the warhammer adventures books yeah i and he think really i've liked, seen them yeah yeah he really loved the 40k ones and so i'm like okay cool necrons feature fairly heavily let's get him some of the starter necrons yeah. so his two armies uh you know are ghost or robot <laughs> like, so they're pretty easy to to paint um so but that's good it's got him into the the habit of like building and stuff like that and with the yeah night haunt it was a progression so the start the models in the first couple of issues were all push fits right because yeah, they're yeah. the a starter box mm-hmm. and then as it gets more and more and more you know you end up with things like uh lady alinda and kurdos and all yeah. this stuff that he actually has to go and like you know these complex models that he has to put together and you know taught him about well don't glue those on because you can leave those off for a sub-assembly and It'll mm. be easier to paint everything, you know, let's put these on corks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's levelling up, so to speak, as yeah. far as painting goes as well, you know.
0: Yeah, I never really thought of that. That's definitely a, maybe a lean towards that sort of systems. It does start off with the basic easy models and then goes into the complex things, but it doesn't dive you right into the deep end straight away. And I suppose Nighthorn or even like Stormcast, both of them are very easy to paint beginner friendly models but probably Mm. not beginner friendly armies stormcast is a little bit um but it definitely seems like the right way to get someone who doesn't is not involved in the hobby definitely into the Mm. hobby with those sort of easy easy armies
1: yeah they're they're and i i think you know that's obviously a very deliberate thing from gw that these are the you know these are the easy models to paint and then they went and released something like Cruel Boys, which look <laughs> yeah. really quite painful to paint as a starter army, to be honest.
0: Yeah. They've got too many bits and pieces, and then they're all spiky and pointy. They seem yeah. non-beginner friendly, essentially. And they don't play beginner friendly either.
1: Oh, okay. I, I've never faced them or seen them
0: played. So, yeah, I wasn't sure. There's lots of um, very technical sort of army to play with. Yeah, Um, it's not just something you can just push forward because they'll just all die they don't have the resilience of ghosts or stormcast fair enough yeah Uh, so what is because you've dragged your son in you got him nice and deep into the lore into the hobby what about your partner how is
1: (laughs) (laughs) she she, look she's the most patient woman in the world and I think if I'd have married anyone else I'd have been murdered a long time ago um (laughs) So I never really had, you know, lots of people talk about, I played it for a couple of years and then I stopped because I found girls and I didn't really have that. I kept going. I still bought White Dwarves and whatever. And the first time my, you know, now wife came over, she spotted boxes, I think, (laughs) of something on top of my cupboard. And she'd already knew what they were because she had a friend who had, like, so she knew what she was getting into.
2: Um,
1: (laughs) Kind of kind of she didn't know um, your level she knew she, a didn't level. Know, she didn't quite know when she said you probably should go and and play with those rather than just build them and not paint them yeah which is what she said to me like after we'd been married for about 12 months <laughs> um i don't think she realized the import of those words and what would happen with after you know after 10 years yeah um it, but it's definitely not a thing for her she has no interest in learning okay painting assembly anything um yeah she's very content to let it be my thing and somewhat content for it to be elliot's thing as well um so so (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah it's it's not not for her um so yeah and my
0: my daughter as well it's not really her thing so you couldn't get her into like the Sylvaneth or any of the more sort of aesthetically pleasing armies—they weren't really interested in me like that. So
1: my daughter really liked the look of Sylvaneth, mm-hmm. and so I bought her some dryads, and she kind of built them and she kind of painted them, and then she put them in a box, and now they're on the shelf over there, <laughs> and. In five years' time, she might remember them and ask me about them, but yep. they're not fronts in her in her mind. She's a Pokemon girl, uh, oh, Pokemon, okay. Pokemon, Pokemon, Pokemon. It's all she thinks about. Um, yeah. So we we play the Pokemon card game together. That's how oh, okay. that's how we hang out and and, and be nerdy together. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. She, she knows more Pokemon than I do. Um, There's a lot <laughs> but, these days. I only know it,
0: sort of the yeah. first two generations.
1: Yeah, well, I only remember the first one because that's all there was when I was yeah. younger. Well, that was when but I started like,
0: as well. But now I've managed to progress to at least the second lot, but that's as far as I get.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, look at you, um, big brain, big brain, Sam. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so I think I didn't have any from when I was younger, but I remembered how to play because my brain is broken. Like that's yeah. not a, not useful knowledge for a man in his thirties, really. <laughs> um who who wasn't actively using that knowledge. Yeah. Um but yeah, she really loved Pokemon, so bought her and my son um decks to play with and myself one and we hang out and play cards. Like that's that's her thing and yeah. I'm happy for it to be
0: her thing. It's a hobby adjacent I suppose because then you can maybe lean into other things out of it as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, This has
0: the collection aspect <laughs> It's something where you over collect the, the the money
1: aspect yeah it's, <laughs> it's, it's 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 still not a cheap hobby you know no. keeping up with their rotations and stuff like that yeah but um yeah no, she's less worried about that sort of stuff than super competitive people would be but yeah you know who doesn't like getting new cards um right. but yeah i'm i'm happy it's it's still a nerdy hobby and that's cool Yes, I think that's the main thing. (laughs) Well, it's still something that we do together. Like, um, you know, it's not just me and my son. I think sometimes because I post stuff on Twitter, you know, and I'll post stuff that Elliot's working on or whatever, there's probably this sort of weird, like, if you look, there's this bias It's like, well, doesn't he have another kid as well? (laughs) (laughs) It's just all about his son, but like... But she, you know, she plays hockey, and we and I go and watch all of her games, and and you know, take her to goalie workshops and stuff, and we play yeah. Pokemon like that's. But you, that's not really Twitterable.
0: No, it's stuff. not. I so, mean, you can post. Yeah. I got a rare Pokemon card, but that's probably about the extent you can sort of take it.
1: That's about it because I don't kind of put my kids on social media much. So yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. You can't really post her, you know, playing hockey or <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, her, her face is I just defeat her for the fifth time in the row.
0: <laughs> I can win my own family playing Pokemon.
1: I hmm. lose more than I win, don't worry. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> because she cares and she knows how stuff works. Whereas I just went to the shop and went, These are the decks my kids are playing. What can I buy that's not too obnoxious? Yeah. And so okay. I just, I literally just have like a water deck off the shelf, whereas theirs are both customized oh so, okay yeah yeah
0: I don't want to defeat their spirit too early on absolutely not no and so how did you because you were saying you're a massive hobbyist and stuff like that how did you transition from just sort of being at home doing more hobbyist for things to getting out in the community in Toowoomba how did you find that as an experience so I think I
1: started playing just as it transitioned into sixth edition of fantasy. So it's about 2000 and it wasn't until about halfway through eighth edition. So we're talking 2012 or something like that before I'd gone and played at a shop. Okay. So other than, other than that, I was just playing at home with friends. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So I went and played at the shop and I met some people and you know, one of the guys I met ran tournaments. Like, because. not huge ones, just little, you know, 12, 16-man tournaments at a, at a hall here in Toolbar. And so I started going to those, and that was really my first exposure to community properly, rather mm-hmm. than just new sites on the net or whatever. And that was pretty cool. Um, I, was, I was pushing around some Tomb Kings back then. More death? Yep. Them. Yeah, still death. Uh, they were awful. At the time, <laughs> and I kind of made it my mission to, um, just be that guy who pushes around the awful army. I didn't yeah. do it very well. I probably earned more wooden spoons than ever uh, <laughs> running champion. I think I once went five rounds without scoring a single, oh. like it was, um, without scoring a single victory point because it was like a twenty-nil system back then. Yeah, so. Like, I just got 20 nil the entire weekend. Um, But people liked my Tomb King army, and I walked away with a bunch of uh, paint trophies from it. So, yeah, cool. The bit that I really care about is being
0: somewhat rewarded by me hanging out with people. You weren't trying to be competitive, you were just sort of leaning towards the hobby aspect, and you enjoyed the army. Yep. Um,
1: And then from there, the dude that was running tournaments uh did a bit of a dodgy and then disappeared um basically scheduled the tournament and people rocked up to the venue and there were other people in the venue for something completely else and then he just kind of disappeared owing people lots of money he owed me money for uh, some website stuff done for him like it was just (laughs) it was not a good situation and there was this i'd been talking to a friend of mine about tournaments and stuff like that and then all of a sudden there was this hole right Mm -hmm. in tournament it's like for tournaments we're like cool let's see if we can do it we've been to a couple now let's see if we can do it so we planned we booked a hall i'm i am spent two three months making terrain because there was nothing like we were starting from scratch, yeah. you know, pouring all this money in, making my wife really annoyed. Cause I'd go, <laughs> can you can you please go bake this sand so it's dry out of this bag? So I could, you know, can you? I know I know I'm at work and you're at home, but can you just go put another coat on this table, please, for me? <laughs> like I said, most patient woman in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so we were like, awesome, let's run this tournament. And the morning that we were meant to start, so just before round one, the photos from Age of Sigma leaked Ugh. onto the net. So this, like, white dwarf potato cam pictures of all these random, like, corn and shiny armoured stuff on round bases. Like, that's all anyone talked about all weekend. Uh. It's like, ah. <laughs> but the tournament went pretty well. Yeah. Um Like... And we're like, yeah, we can do this. Yeah, let's let's keep doing this. So I kind of was running local hall events. Um, then the community kind of split. So we'd have like ninth Age down one side of the hall and AOS down the other. And then eventually I was just watching and seeing like the differences in the community and Mm -hmm. everything. Like I'd kind of picked my side at this stage, and so we just kind of went with that. We went with AOS, yep. Um, and so we're doing that, and then decided to start talking about Warhammer on a podcast with some friends, yeah. Okay, and, and then there's other stuff after that, um, that yep. people are probably more familiar with, but yeah, we'll stop. Yes.
0: That we yeah. will, um, be having a second podcast regarding those topics, they are, um. For future content so be sure to mm-hmm. check out that why <laughs> part do you two. yeah your part <laughs> two <laughs> why do you think you leaned towards age of sigma over ninth age was it the community or was it the models and everything else around age of sigma
1: as a, so a fairly casual gamer i i wanted to play something that was fun and first you know first edition aos you know once you applied some comp packs to it, you know, pool comp or whatever, you know, it was a nice casual game to play that you could mm-hmm. pick up and play. Um, there were some sweet models coming out. You know, we had all the, the um, you know, that first corn drop with the blood bound Archeon came out and all like that sort of, that was the time period. Mm-hmm. And I am was um, like sweet models, people who are actually having fun playing games. Like when you had both, games in the hall at the same time, you could literally see that difference in the kind of and I'm not saying that the ninth age people weren't having fun. They were having their kind of fun. Okay. They were having the, you know, strategic, let's measure this out, let's do this thing. And the people on the AOS side were rolling dice and laughing and, you know, that kind of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's the kind of gaming that I like personally. Okay. Um and so that's kind of where I, how I picked my side basically.
0: <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. And did you lean into so you went with more tournaments with Age of Sigma side, but did you also like lean straight into an army that way? Because I was were Tomb Kings allowed as soon as Age of Sigma came out?
1: Yeah. So basically anything that had a model in eighth edition got Age of Sigma rules at the start. So okay. um when did when did you start AOS, by the way? Just I just so I started
0: just uh after I think in between when Cities of Sigma came out and like the Iron Jaws or the Auric War Clans came out. So September, I think of 2019, just before your last Can Con was when I joined. Really? Yeah. Wow, I thought you'd been in the scene longer than that. No, nah, it's only like been just
1: over two years, I think. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Okay. Uh, so, yeah, initially everything had compendiums. So, like, everything that had a model or was an option, they gave you PDF rules for. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could just play everything. Okay. And I sort of had, I think I'd moved the Tomb Kings on by that point, or I did shortly after. Um, but I was sort of, I still had my vampire Counts at that point. Yeah, And I started rebasing those pretty quickly afterwards it's like okay you know um round bases and it was fairly base agnostic people didn't really care you know early days of aos okay but it was clear that with every release gw put out that was on rounds like it's like okay well this is the way that they're going and you know i bought a bunch of mdf bases off ebay and did it that way yeah and so progressively rebased this whole army um onto MDF bases and so yeah that's kind of the way I went with with Vampire Counts which then became Legions of Nagash and and you know and now Soulblight but yeah it was it was pretty much the clear choice for me that that was the way I was going to go because I'd you know I'd had all these models that I was taking to tournaments, so they're all painted mm-hmm. they just needed to be rebased to to be used so
0: yeah okay so you pretty much went straight into the tournament side of it as well playing rather than hosting tournaments, you played in tournaments as well? Yeah, yeah. So sort of early days, um,
1: I th- think one of the ones I ran was like the first ind- like first non-GW AOS tournament in sort of Southeast Queensland. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was a group in Brisbane, um, sort of the Redlands area, that started doing stuff as well. And they started traveling up to Toowoomba and, um, you know, we sort of formed good friendships there. And then one of those guys started running tournaments as well. So I was going yeah. to him. I don't know if you've heard anyone talk about RCGT. No, this doesn't ring a Redland, Redland City GT. It was kind of, it was one of the first two days. And it was one of the first ones that people traveled interstate for. So, Okay. That was like 2016, so like the first year of A with like sort of towards the first year end of the first year of AOS. Yeah, getting ahead of myself. Um, and Chris Welfare and James maybury flew up for that. Oh wow! Okay, from Sydney. So yep. that was kind of like some of the first interstate travel for AOS to go to tournaments. Yeah. Um, and that's when I first met those two guys, and you know we've sort of been friends ever since. Mm-hmm. But like that was when it started to get that ball rolling on. And, you know, as, as we were running events up here and, you know, those guys were running events and then, um, we kind of just grew from, from there.
0: Yeah. Um, was there much of international travel during fantasy times at all? Well, not international, but even like interstate sort of travel or was it mainly local communities just kept to themselves?
1: Oh, no, interstate travel was fairly big in the old fantasy, uh, okay. old fantasy community. I, I never really did it, but, they you know, um, large amounts of the old fantasy ETC team was sort of based in Southeast Queensland. So okay. they would travel, you know, down south to Victoria or, or Newcastle. There was big tournaments in there, like mm-hmm. there once a year and stuff like that. So interstate travel was definitely a thing for fantasy. Um, maybe not quite to the extent it is now.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what why was pre-COVID? <laughs> yeah. 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 We've sort of backtracked a lot from when I first started, how many tournaments are going on to nowadays, mm. which I'm hoping part of the new discussion when we um, do like our part series is hopefully it brings more people involved in the tournament scene to sort of try and take over. Cause we've definitely got some new fresh bud coming in um Mm. so i'm hoping that uh they can learn a bit more from the series of podcasts that's going to come out um so stay tuned for that if you're ever interested in running a small tournament or even running a larger two-day tournament Mm. and so you've been hosting tournaments have you played in many tournaments outside of sort of the local toowoomba region i used to
1: travel lots um and then it just got real expensive. Like it's it started to add up. I once flew to Melbourne for a one day. Um, <laughs> myself and Mark, um, flew to Melbourne to play in a one day. That's how it's sort of hard up for playing tournaments. We, like we were that we were oh, that wow. keen. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Used to travel a lot. Um. Yeah. And I. I. Twenty nineteen. I had a really big year. Um. But yeah. No. I'd. I used to travel a lot, less so now, less, I'm slightly less inclined. Um, I don't quite have that tournament bug anymore. So it'll be like a,
0: yeah. Have you got a tournament that stands out, be it in fantasy or Age of Sigma? So I really liked
1: the first South Australian GT that got run by Michael from Doom and Darkness. Um, It was a couple of years ago. It was the first one they ran. Uh, it just had a really good vibe. It was sort of like forty-five people, which is a good sort of number. It's sort of my sweet spot for a tournament, and I think Chris was sort of saying something similar the other, yes. other day on his episode as well. Yeah, it just feels nice. But like that—that's sort of the standout. But like it's—it's it's that, and then there's probably like three or four just behind it, like it's like by a nose kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. The, um, yeah, there's a couple of, yeah, oh, there's quite a few good ones that I've been to, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's just the, the standouts probably yep. SAGT, the first one.
0: Okay. And have you got a standout game out of any tournament you've sort of been to that just sort of pops in your mind? Like a beer. if I have to think about it,
1: it doesn't really <laughs> pop into my mind, does that?
0: No. You ever got like a fun sort of gaming experience where like dice just were wild, the person you played with was wild, or just some extreme moment? So I, I yeah I have like a collection
1: of moments from games because sometimes a game will be amazing because of a moment. Yeah. Um. But in terms of overall fun and just uh, ridiculousness, one that sticks in my mind was. A Brizhammer event. Uh, not the last one they did, which was upstairs. It was the last one they did downstairs.
0: Just the destruction the terrifying... one? Yeah. The, the, yeah. The, the, yeah. The, dungeon the dungeon we were in. <laughs> yeah. The lovely dungeon we were all put in.
1: <laughs> and so it's like last game and I'm playing Paulie Jackson. Yeah. And he has had quite a few beers. So he's in a fairly jolly mood. I'm running um Bone Reapers because I was trying to be competitive at that time. <laughs> and he's running Nurgle. And the sheer amount of damage I did to myself in that game from his crap like Nurgle crap. Yeah. Was just had us both in stitches because I pretty much I lost my game by killing myself more than he killed me or I killed him. Like it was oh, just wow. It's like ah, oh, uh, it's only sixes. You know, sixes are the only things that'll hurt me. And it's like mm-hmm. I've never rolled so many sixes. Like I've <laughs> like it was just, just that kind of thing. And it was we were just both in a really good mood, which you know is it's a people don't talk about it as much, but people tend to talk about people in bad moods. But if you're both mm-hmm. in that sort of elevated happy mood, the game just it just feels better. Yeah. Um and yeah, we were just yeah pissed yeah. ourselves laughing yeah. at this and you were rolling out your ass. <laughs> of, yeah, yeah the absurdity of this game that we had. So yeah, yeah. It, not only was it probably one of the last games of OS2 I ever played, but it was like, yeah, it's I've had plenty, but that's mm-hmm. kind of the the one that sticks in my mind, probably because it's one of the most recent.
0: Yeah, okay, fair enough. There's definitely um a lot of weird and wacky things that can happen, especially with things like that where normally you roll average dice and the one time you roll really hot, it's to your detriment. Yeah. And then you're like, I don't want to roll this good ever again in a game like this. But any other game would have been amazing.
1: Yeah, pretty much. It's that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, I'll just go through my question list and see if there's anything else. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about that you... People would find interesting about you?
1: Not really. I'm not a very interesting person. Oh, I think so. you are. <laughs>
0: That's why I asked you <laughs> on here. Yeah. Um, oh, there we go. What do you sort of think the community or even the game? Because you said you stepped away from AOS three a little bit. What do you think's lacking in the game? Or what do you think's turned you off playing AOS three? So
1: there's, and it's just it's. A personal thing, mm-hmm. like how I feel it, it, because I started playing iOS, like fantasy was complex, but we could kind of just dealt with it, right? And then iOS 1 was super simple. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to be, you know, fiddly about it, you know, some the wording wasn't great and this and this and this, but like if you just wanted to play a game, you could sit down and you could play a game and have fun. And kind of pe- it was a lot easier then to know what everything did and keep that together in your head. And then sort of as the games progressed, it gets more and more complex, which is how game design works, right? Yep. They add extra layers and stuff like that. I think two was a, a fairly decent sweet spot
2: mm-hmm.
1: in terms of the amount of stuff you had to remember. And then when three came out and it's like, okay, so you know that four-page rule book that you used to have, that's now 44 pages. I'm like, oh, okay. Right. And it's like, and all of those battalions, they're gone and you've got these specific ones. I'm like, okay, well there's a bit of flavor gone. And like, I know that, you know, some armies, you just saw those two battalions from that book all the time. And like, yeah, yeah, there are like, there's pros and cons on everything. Yes. Um, But then you had uh, your strategies and your battle tactics. And then, your reactionary command abilities and this, and this and this and it was just all of these layers on top of this game that on a personal level i was keeping up with and kind of just barely
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then they've just added a chock load of more rules on top of it to keep track of yeah and i it just i just had this weird gut feeling it's like yeah they've just they've just pushed it that step too far for you (laughs) well
0: don't worry they've just added some more rules to it (laughs) exactly
1: and i'm pretty sure i tweeted you know complex games adds more rules to make it even more complex or something like that it was just it was tongue in cheek bit sarky it's like hey here are some rules that apply to some armies but not all and some armies benefit from them but not those ones but you'll need to remember which units in which armies benefit from this rule and uh, like
0: yeah there's a lot <laughs> okay. extra just from that that little booklet the little one page thing that mm. you need to now keep in your brain because if you get it wrong it can cost you or win you a game.
1: Yeah and it's like and people said well it's just the problem units. I haven't played AOS since August of last year. I don't really know what the problem units are. I see people yep. complaining about dragons right So dragons clearly are a problem, Yeah, but like, what are the
0: others? Because I haven't played. There's about, I think, 10 or 15 others that you now have to keep track of.
1: So do you now have a little sheet with you with
0: your rules? (laughs) And it's like, okay,
1: so who am I playing? I'm playing Stormcast. Let's just check if they're on this list. Yes, they are. Okay, this unit, this unit, this unit, and then you have to try and remember those three units are going to give you extra points on top mm-hmm. of the other points that you get from your battle tactics and your strategy and your victory points. And, and then if like, you
0: kill those units with other units on that list, you don't get points. But if you kill it with other special armies, you get double points. There's a lot yeah. more they have just added into it. And
1: One then thing- if you have an army that has resource management in it as well, <laughs> like, like OBR Nurgle or, Nurgle, or yep. OBR. OBR or any of that sort of like building um, dice up or a level of stuff up. Mm. It's another layer. And like yeah. it just so for me personally, it was, it was just a step too complex.
0: Yeah, They've just gone that little bit further. Mm. Like I think it, it definitely caters to people that like the minutiae and like that extra rule set, but I can see it very easily. Even they're like, oh, they're all fun and cool, like the monstrous action, you can roll with your monster and stuff. But people that have that aren't interested, like you, it's just another thing that you now have to keep in your brain on top of everything else that's all new. It's,
1: it's weird. It's it's pseudo-casual, right? So it's like, I'm sure, um vince would be very happy to tell me which of the psychographic profiles timmy. it fits in but this timmy is I, okay <laughs> i I can't keep them straight i don't yeah. know which one right so it's like Rory monsters and smashing terrain and all that cool stuff yeah. but it's integrated into the rules of the game and the structure and da-da-da-da. so it's like casualness embedded into the competitiveness which is kind of a a strange Mm -hmm. sort of thing like it's flavorful and i really think it's cool but i just have and like i said it's a me thing and i'm sure people are yelling at their
0: you know phones
1: (laughs) or whatever going if you played more you'd remember it um yeah, but... But if you have no interest in playing it, so why do you need to remember it? It's just hard to play. So I'm yeah. I'm, tr- I'm forcing myself over the next couple of weeks to play some games so that, i mm-hmm. I'm prepped for Heat 1 so I can go and hang out with people and say hello and but yeah. also do okay in my games. Um, so hopefully I can kind of, like, get to a point that I'm comfortable remembering everything
0: well, uh, or, you know, or as much as I can. You've not picked an easy army because Soul blight... <laughs> Have lots of extra rules.
2: But they're just
0: my <laughs> army,
1: you know?
2: though.
0: I, I think.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I, look, it, the army will probably be just lots of Vargas and stuff, lots of flappy, yeah. fast stuff that I can push at people. And I don't have to worry as much about bringing units back mm-hmm. or gravesites or whatever. I can
0: just. Yeah. But well, if you bring those units, so you the can the strengths of
1: the army. Yeah. How the army's <laughs> supposed to
0: play, you're going to go the opposite way. Absolutely. Yeah. One thing I have heard, though, is that games work in a three-edition cycle it's where they compound more and more rules to the third edition, and then fourth edition, they completely do a hard reset. So maybe that might be the case, but I'm not sure. Obviously, Age of Sigma is a whole new beast because we haven't hit the fourth edition. Yeah. It's,
1: oh, it's weird because, like, going... Having played for so long, like from what I understand, fifth edition fantasy to sixth, which is where I started playing, mm-hmm. like sixth was a complete rewrite, so that's five editions, right? Yeah, but that's an evolution, and then from sixth to eighth, so that was three editions, and then they completely changed the game. Yeah. Um, and then in like the 40k world, like third was the complete rewrite, and it wasn't until like eighth that it was completely different again. Mm-hmm. Um and, and in D and D, not quite miniatures, um, but it seems to be very different every edition. So, yeah, but they, okay. they they tend to last longer than war yeah. game editions. They have so,
0: yeah. an eight year sort of cycle on their editions, yeah, eight, maybe a little bit eight longer. to ten or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They definitely work a slightly different way than we do with ours because obviously we update every three years. Every three years, you've got to make sure well, you've we'll kept, kept up.
1: It was every four once upon a time, but uh, that seems so short. Of
0: shortened. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised if it comes two or one with the amount of at, stuff they try oh, and push through to us. At that point, at
1: that point, they're gonna have a bit of a revolt on their hands if they've not fully embraced like digital rules and stuff that like that. They're gonna mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I don't want to buy a hundred dollar book every two years. Just yeah, it's already like, it's, plus plus everything else that goes with it, because it's not just that
2: book.
0: Yeah, yeah. At the moment, we're not too bad. A lot of people can roll around with one book plus the core rules or the GHB um, Mm. because that is a wonderful book. But a lot of other people, especially in the 40K side, they're four or five books just to get an army on the table with knowing all your rules.
1: It's madness, Yeah. yeah. And I do worry, like, at the moment, if you want to run a Sylvaneth army, because because i literally experienced this you need the sylvaneth book from like three years ago mm-hmm. you need uh broken realms cragnos or bellicor i can't remember which one
0: okay I think definitely it's not Kragnos. broken realms elario because that never came out
1: <laughs> that never came despite how much they took she was in cragnos i think yeah so you need those two books plus whichever version of the wildwood war scroll they're up to now <laughs> um so i decided in about july i wanted to get um sylvaneth done by mid august for tormer open right mm-hmm. i had to learn four different wildwood Warscross scrolls in that time
2: <laughs>
1: including yes, one that they released the night before the tournament like yes, we didn't I use that, that one but it was like yet another one that they yeah. then revised like 2 weeks later yes like- cuz people keep breaking them and ruining all the fun <laughs> well they broke them because they just didn't work yeah um but yeah, so it's not. Quite, it depends on the army uh, in AOS. But yeah, um, how how many books you have to yeah. take? If you're lucky, it's your arm. You like it's your your uh, battle tome and the GHB, which yeah. as you said is lovely because it's mm. spiral bound and turns into a little A frame on the table so you can One see of the scenario.
0: Their best uh, like book things they've ever released. I think the fact that it comes with tokens and. It's got bookmark pages. It is ring bound. It's got the core rules in this, dominated by the core rules. It's got everything you need. Well, once upon a time, they used to put the core rules in
1: the back of the Battle Tomes. But
0: oh, they okay. stopped
1: doing that not long before 2nd came out. Yeah. Okay. Um, so they, because they clearly thought, well, we can't have a whole bunch of books out there with the wrong rules. So, um, but yeah, they used to do that. But I think if they go backwards with the next GHB, people will be a bit cranky. Like, oh, yeah. I, well, I, think, don't know, I don't know why you would.
0: I but, think yeah. they happened with 40K. Their first GHB, or mm-hmm. whatever their thing is, um, was Spiral bound and everything else. And I mm-hmm. think they used the excuse that COVID happened, that then they released a soft book. And everyone hated it, from what I remember. so hopefully we don't get that but even speaking of new books uh the day of recording we've just had adepticon released as well have you as with there being a narrative book in there which i know you sort of you like your narrative stuff or your hobby stuff how do you think or what do you think of the new book and some of the new releases uh i'm pretty
1: jazzed actually which is good like i like it, it sounds so before it sounded like I was down on AOS, but I am excited. I'm, I'm I'm excited to be excited about the game. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, And what they've previewed today is sort of done that with like the season of war book. That's all about uh, Thondria yeah. and like the realm matters again. And I know some people didn't like realm rules and stuff like that, but like making that sort of stuff matter, but in an optional sense, is a great way of encouraging narrative and things like that. Uh, plus, some of that new terrain was really sweet as well. Yep. Um, can't go go wrong there. And then the um, weird spell terrain <laughs>
0: yeah. dragon thing I'm still not sure what that was.
2: Other than I think just it's gall.
0: like an endless spell, but you can only get it through that terrain. The, the Thondia strong point, as I'm reading it. Yeah. So like a malign sorcery or the other endless spell things, it's like buy this terrain set because people probably aren't buying as many terrain pieces as they used to of the joy of 3D printing. But I think yeah. that's the only way of getting that endless spell. Yeah, what is it? It's an incarnate of Ger. Um, So it's a
1: manifestation of pure magic. So it, I reckon it's yeah probably just a special endless spell. Yep. Yeah. But um, yeah, so we had that, and then what else do we have? We had the the, the sweet night horn dude yes. on the
0: boat. Another latch on the soul seeker of sorts.
1: Yeah, only this one's evil. That's what... <laughs> yeah. This one's like if latch on takes his toll for like ferrying you across. This dude just like, well, he's literally called the Drowner. Like, he <laughs> <laughs> does not like it. But I love, like, Nagash It's just like, oh, you are a bit of a wrong one in life. Let's make you do some twisted version of what you were, you know, evil for in life. So, you know, he was a ferryman who, like, drowned people, you know, yes. instead of taking them across the river. So, you know, Nagash is like, well, we're going to make you a ferryman down here and you're going to take Dead Souls places. We're going to make you do the job that you hated.
0: So, yeah.
2: yeah it's it's such a uh,
0: sweet model. It's definitely very cool. Uh, it's probably yeah. depending on the size it looks quite a large base as well just looking at it but hopefully is it'd be a very yeah. cool painting project uh, i reckon it's probably like an 80 mil base or something like that it could be the first new nine haunt monster besides the morgul yeah oh uh, yeah i don't know oh, how like how it'll interact it's going to be a character
1: because mm. that's something nine needed more was more characters <laughs> um but yeah, no, it's cool. I haven't showed I haven't showed Elliot the, the new one yet. So mm-hmm. I'm sure he'll hopefully he gets excited about though. that.
0: But just yeah. going back to those realm things, I think yeah. the realms could work really well if they do it well. I think the last issue with the last realm rules was there was one that was way above the rest. So everyone just went to that. And that's yeah. what made them be pretty much nearly pointless because everyone just went the same realm so what was yeah. the point of having realm rules so hopefully if they're bringing back multiple realms they don't make them too overtuned that everyone just leans in the same realm they actually oh. have all good uses
1: yeah well it's it's pretty much set straight in ger so it'll just be multiple aspects of ger or whatever mm-hmm. um and you know they talk about different battle packs and different uh, battle plans and stuff so that new stuff to play the game is always good um and it'll be interesting to see what the narrative is there as well like they talk about how it progresses that sort of narrative that we already have Mm -hmm. for the realm of beasts i think yeah yeah, going going hard on the on the ger angle so
0: yeah it's pretty cool to sort of see that sort of side of it i don't think we've done ger before i think we're a Who was the last one, buddy? Shimon, I think, was a bigger sort of one, wasn't it? The realm of fire for a little bit. Well, well the, when
1: AOS started, it was actually, which is the realm of fire. Actually, sorry. And yeah. Se- yeah, and then second ed was sort of realm of death. Yeah. And like AOS 3 has been realm of Gur, but other than just monsters being a bit bonkers at the moment, there hasn't been a lot to it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it'll be interesting to see if this kind of makes things more beastly for want of a better word and even if it's just going to be you know for the narrative types or the people who love the law uh you know the the competitive scene might not take too much out of it but still it's like it's progressing uh, yeah that's uh, right and adding onto the game in a cool way and we get great you know models out of it as well Mm,
0: i think there's more to be released as well over the next few days of Depticon. um from what people have been saying that this was just the start of the releases so hopefully we get some cool new models maybe some skaven
1: yeah i thought this was a one and done kind of thing but anyway oh, okay I, I i would be happy to be proved wrong on that <laughs> but, but this felt like their big sort of preview because yep. it's got like one it's got something for all of their games pretty much
0: yeah okay well it'll be interesting to see what they do more because i think well today's a wednesday for them so they've still got probably the big Sunday release for Adepticon, maybe. Damn. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Um, are you much of a law person? Do you lean into the... I enjoy the law. I'm not
1: like, I don't know everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a hard time sort of keeping up with the Broken Realms stuff, um, but I know th- the basics. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I enjoy it and i like to let it inform what i'm doing um but i'm not sort of strictly tied to it in the way that some other people are and and don't know you know every every little detail
0: Yeah. okay well i think that's probably all there is for for this episode anyway um because we'll definitely be leaning into the tournament one for next episode or not next mm-hmm. episode but next time we chat Yeah. Um, yep. So if anyone has any questions in regards to running one of the biggest Age of Sigmar tournaments, I think I think it's still the biggest one of the world, isn't it?
1: Uh, we will see because like Adepticon is, uh, you know, their um, championships is, you know, this coming weekend. So yeah, we'll see actually, they're, yeah. the, they're, the, they're the people who have come close, uh, mm-hmm. them and
0: Bobo in the UK. So yeah, that'll be interesting to see, but yeah so far you still hold the title (laughs) still hold the title yeah three years later
1: (laughs) hey just like just like um, uh, Matt Terrell was the Australian AOS master for a couple of years just by virtue of the fact that
0: (laughs) yeah or is there anything you wanted to say to um, all the people listening Uh, anything you'd like to for them to know about you or any anything coming up for Clint
1: I'm, I'm pretty sure that they've heard me talk about myself enough uh,
0: for <laughs> for a while.
1: Um, but, yeah, no, uh, if you'd like to see the stuff that I'm working on, um, the sweet non-metallic uh, metal Lizardmen and stuff like that, um, I'm uh, Clint underscore paints on Twitter mm-hmm. and Clint dot paints on Instagram because I couldn't do the dot on Twitter.
0: <laughs> yeah i posted some photos of some of your work that i found on your twitter um but i'll try and get some more photos from you um uh, maybe yep. we can get some more of because i couldn't find anything of your wraith fleet uh that was non-existent on your twitter yeah it'll be on instagram yeah maybe yep. we'll try and get some crossover for them because they're from when i first joined i think that was one of your first things that i'd seen you do was your wraith fleet um so they'd be yeah, interesting with- to see posted up
1: that had a Manfred in it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> with with the shark chariot. So Yes. Yep. Yeah, that was sick. Uh, and then I've personally played against your uh, your Nurgle Sylvaneth, and that was quite a sight to see. Uh, that was very cool. Yeah. The, the one and only time we've played. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> only because you grudged me. <laughs> yeah, because we hadn't played. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, well, thank you very much for coming on, Clint. Uh, it was wonderful to learn about you and to um. have you identified now. I mean people have heard about you plenty of times on uh, your own podcast.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, sure that I'm sure they are sick of me being
0: identified. <laughs> <laughs> but if anyone would ever go over a listen, um, Clint did have a podcast. I don't think it's been the last sort of year you haven't put in new content on. Uh not since AOS 3 came out. Okay. Um because it knocked
1: knocked the arse out of the hobby for the three of us, pretty much. Uh, you know, um, I used to do it with um, my friends adam and travis and sort of adam's moved on to like marvel and travis uh is just doing random little bits of hobby and not really concentrating on anything okay. so like yeah one one day if we get you know when we get the spark back we'll be back but yeah
0: yeah and there was heralds at war if anyone wants to listen to that Herald
1: of, of War. Heroes of War. Sorry, of War. Come on.
0: Well, our last <laughs> episode
1: was a was a quiz. It was it was one of the most fun episodes we'd had. I
0: like yes. just me belittling belittling them for not knowing <laughs> much. Oh, awesome! Well, thank you very much, Clint. Uh, and you'll be hearing from Clint, I'm sure, in the next sort of month or two. And um, we're learning all about CanCon and a bit of Heroes of War as well. Uh, just for a bit of adjacency and getting into things that are um, community involved, because um, heroes of war uh, was quite big in the community, um, so it'd be good to sort of learn about the uh, how that all got started and stuff like that. But this one was just learning about Clint and who Clint mm-hmm. is as a war gamer, so that was um, very interesting. So thank you very much, Clint. No worries. Thanks for having me on. I am a god,
2: Manfred the Wise. Manfred the Unliving, Manfred the Marshal